Morning BHA. It is a podcast about barbershop recorded today. Richard Reeve in Queensland and there's Ash down in Perth. Two Australians talking about the greatest hobby on earth. Oh boy, it's swell to say. Good morning, BHA. Well, good morning, BHA. Good morning, BHA. Good morning, Richard Reeve. Good morning, Ash Schofield. See how I pronounce your name proper? Thank you. It's my pleasure. I appreciate how, it. How are you this morning, Ash? I am chipper. I am also chipper. <laughs> this is, we, we are coming to you live recorded um, from the Wednesday morning of 2019 Harmony Academy. And this is a special <coughs> episode of Good Morning BHA, a podcast where we talk about all things Boba Sharp in Australia with a dollop of international Boba Sharp. And that's particularly relevant today because I'd like to welcome to our attractive podcast, arguably the Barbershop Harmony Society's premier vocal coach, Mr. Steve Scott. Welcome to Good Morning BHA. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's nice. That's nice. Glad to be here. We're going to do it. <laughs> that part will be edited. That was. There'll <laughs> be a whole lot of editing going on here. Um, so Steve Scott has just uh, uh, given a, a class, uh, delivered a class, a warm-up class here at last morning of Harmony Academy uh, on uh, yeah, warming up the. Well, I took it as warming up the tired voice, a nice, gentle um, mm. through all the process. So. It was wonderful to experience that, and at the end of the class, got us to sing a little bit, and it was it was all surprisingly free. It's like black magic. Oh, this science know. stuff actually works. Yeah. So, Steve, um, for those who may not have uh, have come across your legend before, please explain uh, to our listeners your musical background and and how you discovered barbershop. Sure, I started barbershop in 1991, and my dad was the chorus director of the little local chorus that. Uh, in the, in the area that we lived in, near Las Vegas. And my older brother was a member of the chorus, and my younger brother joined the year after, so I've been barbershopping basically my whole life. My mother walked in on me vacuuming her bedroom uh, when I was nine or 10, and I was using the, mi- the, the vacuum cleaner like a microphone, singing my dad's barbershop quartet songs, and she's like, this boy's gonna be special. <laughs> a little bit, you know. And sure enough. <laughs> and sure enough. That's what happened. And so I've been, I say barbershop all the way through middle school and high school, and then I did a barbershop in, in university. I studied vocal uh, choral music education as an undergraduate, and then I went to Ohio State University where I got two master's degrees, one in vocal pedagogy and one in choral conducting. And the intent behind that was so I could be a really effective chorus director so I could you know, get and shape the sound that I thought was uh, appropriate for uh, the group. And I also, while there, studied a lot of voice science and vocal health, and so I earned a singing health specialization. And then I taught at a university for a little while, and then I went to Kansas to uh, get a PhD, and I'm still working on that PhD. And my focus there has been, again, vocal pedagogy is the actual name of the PhD. And I've studied barbershop and barbershop singing as my emphasis. Surprise, there's very little literature about mm-hmm. that singing genre. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it's been kind of neat to tie it, tie barbershop to other styles and you know show it compared to others and show how it's also uh, a healthy singing yeah. style. So it's been kind of fun to do. Uh, while in my in the different cities, sang a little bit in Columbus, Ohio. I started a chorus in Georgia. Sang with the Central Standard Chorus in 
Kansas City was working on my coursework for a doctorate, and then I have been employed by the Barbershop Harmony Society for the last two and a half years as the music education and online learning manager, uh-huh. where I am in charge of what gets taught at Harmony University, how it gets taught, who teaches it, why, when, all of that stuff. And that's been a particular delight to be able to develop that educational sequence and identify the strongest teachers for that. And also I am in charge of the online learning for the Barbershop Harbor Society. That's a, a program that I initiated and it's about to really launch. We've had a pilot for the last year and a half and we're about to really launch it here next month. Cool. So. Gosh, um, that's an excellent 10 out of 10 uh, for an introduction of yourself. <laughs> um, but you, it's, uh, you've got some good material to work with there. Um, I wish we had all day to talk with this young man about all those interesting things. Thank you for calling me young. Going back to, and interesting, going back to um, the beginning. So you always knew you loved singing, basically? I did, yeah. I, I think I, I'm going to credit my dad for that. Uh, you know, my mother sang in church, uh, as did as my dad, but uh, it was my dad's barbershop quartet. Not so much his chorus, but his quartet. Mm-hmm. They sang fun songs. They had a great time. They competed. They were, at the time, very fashionable. <laughs> Cummerbund bow tie nice. combinations. Yeah. Nice. Uh, pink jackets, silver cummerbund. Yeah, you know. And so I just thought they were great. I, they had a lot of fun. Their quartet families socialized quite a bit. So it was, it was kind of an extended family. And I really, really valued that. And so when I became old enough, I, my dad finally seceded to my whims and, uh, mm. and let me join the chorus. And I joined the chorus. And at what age? At, at 11. Right, wow. Mm-hmm. And I, I sang tenor for about 15 minutes before I said, forget that. <laughs> and I switched to lead, even though I couldn't sing all the notes. Mm, yep. And my very first show was later that fall when I wore a lime green tuxedo. Mm. With white patent I can see that's a good look for you. I, I mean, I'm waiting for it to come back. You found your color. That's yeah. right. He even has the, the white tuxedo shirt with oh, the green ruffles. Nice. Do you remember yeah, it? Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. uh, it's, uh, iconic, yes. Oh, man. That's somebody's throwaway. Of somebody's throwaway. Of somebody's yeah, yeah. throwaway. <laughs> Recycling was strong back then. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the, the uh, age of around 11. What's your advice uh, of two children or parents, uh, uh, mentors of children about um, the age of singing and barbershop? That's a good question. I think that the intellectual and vocal development of every child is going to be slightly different, but generally speaking, singing in a chorus is going to be a good idea at any age. I Mm -hmm. mean, as long as they're able to emotionally handle it, they could... I mean, they could sing a chorus as, as early as seven or eight, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I was not emotionally capable of handling it, mm. even at 11, but <laughs> my dad was a strict disciplinarian, so mm. still, uh, it still ended up working out. I tend not to give voice lessons to uh, adolescents or teenagers. I don't even really like giving it to high school students just because their voices are so in flux at that age from 10 to even 20 years old, the mm. voices are still changing pretty rapidly. And so voice lessons per se aren't necessarily going to be most useful for those folks as much as music lessons right. 
you know, sight reading, theory, right. you know, good musicianship skills, which you can get from piano and an, another instrument, mm. and then applying that to singing. So singing in a choir, in a chorus, be it barbershop or church or community or, or what have you, children's chorus, those are going to be the strongest venues for those voices to learn and develop vocally and, you know, emotionally and socially as well. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, because... Of course, we um, we start to respond to music um, within you know weeks and months of being alive. Yeah. So we are interacting with music and we're we're, we're dancing as little kids. But there, re- there really is to sing barbershop that there certainly is uh, among the more discipline required that, compared to other genres of music where you can kind of just sing along with whatever. Sure. In fact, there's a very interesting sequence to develop harmony to build harmony uh, among singers. Uh, unison sing starting out uh, where you, and then do call and response where where somebody leads out and then they mimic back mm-hmm. and then uh, round singing mm-hmm. yeah. and then two part round singing three part round singing nice. four part round singing and then uh, singing a melody line with a uh, with a static harmony part yeah. and then singing a harmony line with a a contrasting harmony part so if the, har- the melody part goes down then the harmony part goes up because particularly for children being able to differentiate between pitches that are parallel is extremely difficult it's the yeah. most difficult thing you can ask a, a kid to do even mm. into middle school it's mm. difficult mm. so as much as you can do getting contrasting harmonies barbershop is difficult because uh, it's four parts number one and number two th- they some of the some of the harmonies are, are rather instinctual, like tenor can be, you know, kind of thought of as instinctual. Uh, but baritone is certainly, as everybody knows, that's a, that's a learned behavior. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so uh, if you're going to start out in singing barbershop, sing lead, sing tenor, and as their musicianship grows and as their voice matures, try other parts. Mm. Oh, completely fascinating. Yeah, the, the Nobody's ever asked me those questions before. Why is why you come to this good place? Well, people, <laughs> I get pigeonholed rather, uh, rather frequently as a, a voice guy, uh. sometimes as a directing guy, but never as a uh, developmental, pedagogical there you go. guy. There You're you. welcome. So <laughs> you're welcome, uh, world. <laughs> the, so the next, my next question to you is, um, you, what was the turning point or the thought process around pursuing music as a career? <clears throat> compared to as most of us who love music and barbershop as a hobby? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. My dad was, he went to school as uh, in, in college. He studied music until my mother uh, said, hey, uh, we, I'm pregnant with our first child. So my dad quit and got a job and never studied. For, mm-hmm. uh, he never went, you know, graduated from college. He was just a working guy his whole yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Always had intended to be a choir guy. So I think that was something that was a part of my growing up. Is that something that he felt like he missed out on and so there's a certain legacy for that but also a hundred percent barbershop was the reason I got in and stayed in music as a profession I didn't want to be anywhere other than in in a place where I could make music every single day I was fortunate to have a very influential high school music director uh, both in choir and in band and they were very keen on my development gave me opportunities I got to be you know student conductor and Coached a barbershop group, sang in a couple of barbershop groups, you know, uh, for the for the high school, and it, it was just always a part of who I thought I was going to be. And there was never a time until I got into college, when I started learning how much 
music educators make that I ever question that decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to sustain a family on this salary as well. Okay. So a large part of my remuneration is the satisfaction I That's get. That's right. Just the smiles I get. Those warm handshakes. Take that to the oh, bank. That's right. Yeah. They pay the bills. <laughs> so it sounds like it's kind of hard to separate the um, influence of your childhood and your dad's barbershop um, with how barbershop might have attracted you independently of that if you'd found it outside of your family sort you know, of all bundled up in one I don't know that I've ever done that thought experiment before whether or not I would gravitate to barbershop had I not been mm. exposed to it mm. I, I'm fortunate that my dad was mm. uh, keen to it mm. I I wonder if I would have done music of some kind because mm. we're a pretty musical family I'm sure family. you would have yeah, yeah. Um, there you go yeah, that's 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 something yeah, I have we'll to think let about. You ponder that. Come back and I, I certainly got enjoy the harmonies yeah. very much, mate. Um, and so you um, you decided to do your master's degrees clearly as professional development. Um, I like briefly talk about that. I, you know, I assume in hindsight, you know, you think it was a good idea. It was these are these are tough, but you got through it. And then so and then why did you choose the second one? Because I guess you needed that. You know, you wanted that additional expertise. Yeah. Well, so I. Actually, when I graduated university, I did not work in the music field. I got my music education degree, and I did not enter the field as a music educator mm -hmm. uh, directly. I, I did some work with some high school groups. I taught at the um, I taught voice lessons in the area, and I also sang in the in the opera company uh, in in Utah, and uh, was working for a company. And I really, really missed singing all the time. Mm -hmm. As much as I could get, I, I, I just missed it, missed it, missed it. So I decided that I wanted, so I started taking voice lessons again and I started to, I got out my old vocal pedagogy books because I knew there was something in there that I needed to get. I'd gotten a, a pretty low mark in my, in my undergraduate vocal pedagogy class. Mm -hmm. My now wife was sitting next to me, so I, I blame her for part of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also, it was just a really confusing and uh, frustrating class because right. of, of the the thickness of the content and the and the I guess poorness of the delivery. Yeah, right. Okay. And so, but going back through my voice lessons after I graduated, I I would I would come back from my voice lesson and then kind of pull what she did apart and like hunt through my vocal pedagogy books and go, oh, oh, this thing. And then I would write it up. I would synthesize what she had done and I would draw by freehand different, mm -hmm. different parts of the, of the body just so I could understand it better. And it came to a point where I was like, I, I need to go back to school. This is right. too important for me to, to not understand. And if I, again, want to be an effective voice teacher and choir director, I need to, I need to understand this stuff. So I went and auditioned uh, as a voice major at uh, at the university, completely out of my league because I don't sing opera. I I like singing. Actually, I like singing opera. I don't really like watching opera mm -hmm. or going to the opera. Occasionally, it's it's fine, but like that's not my it's not my jam. Mm. So uh, I felt out of my depth, you know, preparing songs in German and, mm. and right. all that French. Just <laughs> <laughs> awful. Anyway, so <laughs> when I auditioned at university for for a voice for the voice track uh, one of the the voice pedagogy professor pulled me aside she's and starts asking me questions like what do you want to do with your career and I was like I, I want to be the the most capable choir director possible and I think that comes down to the voice and she said you should add 
the masters conducting while you're here and I was like that's literally what I want to do wow. <laughs> absolutely and so literally every class that I took from my master's degree it was a delight because oh, wow. it was exactly the classes that mm -hmm. I wanted to mm -hmm. take I took so many science classes including uh, classes where I got to go into the operating room with a surgeon wow. and watch him wow. operate on uh, on people needing voice correction okay. uh, yes mm. and so did many hours of that by the way the inside of the human body smells disgusting right that's pretty gross <laughs> yeah they don't show that on those medical tv dramas <laughs> it's pretty bad yeah and then when they start cutting the never mind yeah. <laughs> solderizing no uh, it's oh. just uh yeah so but that was extremely fascinating i think in another life i would i would do a medical career mm. i just don't think I have the patience mm. for it but very fascinating and so that kind of like firmly ensconced me in I have got to be in this profession in this field and mm -hmm. so uh, right then is when my barbershop coaching and teaching started to take off and it just has always been a very strong part of me and so pedagogy understanding the anatomy and the physiology and particularly how it relates to singing and health mm. has, has been a, a large part of my my career and is the reason why I got my first big boy job because I taught at a school that was very strong in the allied arts or sorry in allied health that a lot of nurses and and medical you know assistants in that training at their school and so they wanted somebody that had that music but also could speak intelligently about the, the medical portion yeah. mm. and so um, for those listening who may not have heard before what is what describe pedagogy for us sure Vocal pedagogy, at least how I've been teaching it for the last little while, is a way to teach people to sing. And for me, I try very hard to make it as accessible as possible. It can be very confusing and very complicated very quickly. And I have made it my goal in my teaching to kind of dissect each part and say, how can I make this more palatable? How can I make this so people hear it the first time and go, I actually get that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I, we were talking with John O'Bly the other day, and he's like, oh, hey, I, I, I caught your cl class at Harmony University seven or eight years ago. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> because seven or eight years ago, when I thought I was hot stuff. Right. <laughs> Oh, the the way it I teach so now far. is it's so, it's it's yeah just because literally every time I teach the class, I change it and I make it mm -hmm. more and more dialed in. Yeah. Like I, I I changed a bunch of slides for the presentation that I did here on Sunday on vocal pedagogy. Mm. It was the entire uh, the entire student population here, and I think most of the faculty were in attendance too. And so I wanted to make sure that what I gave the students here was something that they could for the most part, walk away with and go, oh, I understand that. Or at least this is not as scary as I used to think it was. And it's not as mysterious as it's led to believe. Yeah. So how is vocal pedagogy different to vocal teaching? They're the same. Pedagogy is teaching. And so when people, however, when they talk about vocal pedagogy, usually what they're specifically referring to is anatomy, physiology, and acoustics. So voice teaching is being able to communicate with a student those three areas mm -hmm. and making sure that what choices they're making are the choices that they intend to make and they have the desired acoustic output. So voice lessons 
are a one-on-one -on -one way of doing that. When I teach vocal pedagogy, I'm teaching teachers, voice coaches, directors, how to be more effective in their roles yeah. yep. so they can teach the people mm -hmm. that they're with how to be more effective as singers. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you. So many things to cover. Let's let's move on to Central Standard and your your time there. Tell us about your experience there. And, and Central Standard is a one of the more exciting newer ensembles in the BHS. Yeah. yeah. Kicking some goals, scoring some runs. They do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I I joined them in two thousand and thirteen, and they had just come back from a Harmony University visit. They went as a course to Harmony University, which they credit as a very, as a turning point in their development as a chorus. And it was kind of funny because I was wearing a faculty shirt from Harmony University, having just taught there uh, the year before. And the director, Rob Mance, was also wearing a faculty shirt. And so we went, hey, uh, you've, uh, you've taught at Harmony U. Who are you again? <laughs> and we introduce ourselves and I said, Rob, what are you doing here in Kansas City? Oh, I'm a, I'm a doctoral student. So were you being funny or did you not really no, know each I other? No, I didn't, no. Oh, wow. No, and so he said, I'm a doctoral student uh. at the University of Kansas. And I said, so am I. <laughs> no like, way. He's yeah. like, I, uh, he said, I'm doing choral conducting. And I said, I'm doing vocal pedagogy. Uh. And I said, I did, uh, I have a master's degree in choral conducting. He said, so do I. Wow. He said, I have a master's degree in vocal pedagogy. And I said, so do I. <laughs> and we both went, all right, <laughs> and then we started dialing down into the books and the methods, and we very quickly found out that he, uh, we were kind of like lockstep in wow. our pedagogical approach. And so uh, it, it, was, it was a delight to, to sing in that chorus and to help them. Uh, I was a voice coach for them. Uh, I, I took guys out, uh, gave them voice lessons one at a time, did some small ensemble voice coaching. Like uh, we would, every guy got assigned to be in a quartet prior to going to the international oh, cool. contest. So all the basses were in one quartet and the leads and tenors kind of were in a couple quartets, you know, leads were in two quartets and the tenors were in like four quartets. So everybody was in a quartet and they were supposed to meet outside of the chorus rehearsal, <coughs> rehearse the two contest songs, and then come sing for me or Rob and they would get coached like they were going to wow. contest <coughs> as a quartet. That's great. And so the development of that program and the voice lessons and the constant vocal pedagogy that happened throughout all How of the rehearsals that approach. That's so was, cool. uh, was, was pretty strong. And maybe so it, stolen. It was great to yeah, that may, be, may have just been <laughs> stolen, yes. So we went from ninth place to third place. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then from third place to second place. Yeah, gosh. And then third place. And I, I think they got third or fourth this yeah. year, too. So, and it's each year, the scores good. are 90, 94 and 95. Just extraordinary. So it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. So amazing. now I sing with the... Music City Chorus yep. in Kansas, and uh, where do I live now? Nashville. 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 Last year we got fifth place with our Star Wars set, hmm. and I again was uh, pleased to. Be, I'm the voice coach for them as well, and uh, again I do voice lessons for them, and I, I coach the section leaders, and I coach the chorus quite a bit too. So uh, this awesome. year we got seventh place with a measly 92 point, right. you know, three. Average, that's, yeah. and that's not enough for a medal. Yeah, well, that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. None of us felt bad about that, by yeah. the way. We yeah. Walked off stage, pretty excited about what we did. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of one of my yeah uh, one of the things I passed on in one of my classes uh, about leadership actually was um, from um, Anthony Colosimo, 
uh, yeah, just seeing judge who said if you if you're more concerned about convention than next Tuesday, you've lost your way. Yeah. Um, every Tuesday is, is, is as important. You've got sort of big goals, but every Tuesday has to be compelling, and you've got to celebrate seeing and just love being. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Don't fight on this. So. Um, <laughs> I mean. So uh, again, time is is, uh, is so precious. So Matt, tell us about your decision to join BHS staff and and uh, and how that's going. So after so while I was in my third year of my coursework, which was the last year of my coursework for my doctorate degree, I was becoming more and more in demand as a coach for barbershop groups. And my wife was not a barbershopper, and when we actually met. I had just stepped away from barbershop for a year or so, so I could, you know, get my degree. And so when I introduced her to barbershop, it was something that I used to do. And she's like, oh, okay, isn't that, that's, that's cute. And then, hmm. you know, we went to graduate school, did some barbershop there. And then when I moved to Georgia to, to teach at that uh, university, uh, they didn't have a barbershop group there. So I said, hey, this is going to be one night a week. And she's like, I guess that's okay. Hmm. And then I got invited to be on Harmony University faculty, and she's like, what's that? And I said, it's a week in the summer. She's like, I guess that's okay. <laughs> and I come back, and I said, hey, there's this chorus that wants to pay me to come and coach them. And she's like, that's a thing? <laughs> I guess that's okay. <laughs> and so Sounds it went like a from, very supportive wife. Well, so I, I think I, I, uh, I hoodwinked her a little bit. You know, I went from this something that I used to do to, hey, one night a week, to, yeah, hey, yeah, now yeah. it's every summer. Yeah. And... And now, I, and so while I was in my doctorate degree, I was getting flown j- literally every weekend wow. coaching, and wow. I was coaching several times throughout the, yeah. throughout the week. And so um, the reason why I joined the staff was because after I finished my coursework, I just became a full-time coach. Yeah. And so I was traveling a lot. All the yeah. Yeah. And there was a particular month where I was home like four days out of that month, oh. having a wonderful time, yeah. you know, making wonderful connections. Uh, doing what I thought was helping many, many barbershop singers, um, but it was it was taking a toll on my family. Yeah. Uh, my wife was she's a music educator, and we have a at the time we just had uh, our girl who was six or seven, and I remember talking to her over Skype in Sweden. <laughs> I was literally in somebody's house. It was like four o'clock in the morning or something like that, and I was looking at her and she's looking at me and I said. This isn't working, is yeah, it? And yeah, she yeah. said, it's not. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I started looking around for jobs. Yeah. I, and I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll go teach middle school. I'll go work at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing to me is my family. Yeah, no, Obviously, I have all this education. I can still be effective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I started looking around for jobs. And the next day, oh, no. the job for the BHS popped up. And I, I slid that over to my wife. And I said, what oh, do you think this, of this thing? Yeah. And she looked at it and she said, did they copy your resume? <laughs> <laughs> Did you write this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you write for yourself? Because it, yeah. it literally looked like they just plucked the best parts of my resume. They wanted somebody that's uh, yeah. taught, it, uh, you know, interact with music educators, had online teaching experience. I had that. Has has barbershop experience. Has music education experience. And I was just like, I'm the guy. And they called me and said, Are you serious about this? Do you really want this job? I'm like. Yeah, should I not be serious? They're like, no, 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 you should be serious. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and that, that's my, my boss, Donnie Rose, and it's been, it's been a delight to work for him. He's, he's, a, he's a gifted music educator and uh, changed the culture of Harmony University mm-hmm. and education mm-hmm. for the Barbershop Harmony Society and arguably for the world. And so it's, it's awesome to be a part of that team and kind of help shape that vision. It's pretty Ooh. exciting to see that growing and developing and, you know, from an event to a brand where it's rolled out a number of times etc so riddle me this batman what have you 
what have you learned about barbershoppers, whether it be um, the way we sing, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we approach learning music? Like, what have you learned over the past, I don't know, decade hmm. about how barbershoppers operate? First of all, barbershoppers are very keen. Yeah. yeah, they're probably the most affable and uh, people-pleasing group of musicians I've ever come across. <laughs> You know, choral musicians, they're, they're a little comfortable in their skin. And obviously, uh, professional musicians, they, they think quite highly of themselves. Barbershoppers right. are so hungry right. for information. Yeah. And they, they will sing at the drop of a hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was funny, I was at an American Choral Director Association conference. Oh, oh, the president of the American Choral Director Association was at a BHS conference. And he and I were chatting. I was at the time a, a professor, and he was kind of like constantly weirded out that there were people singing all over the place. Oh, wow. That does not happen yeah, right. mm-hmm. at uh, at those uh, conventions. And yeah. so uh, he and I were kind of joking. Wouldn't it be kind of funny to have uh, you know these these choral professors start singing Palestrina <laughs> or or Mozart or something like that? And he's like. <laughs> That would never happen. <laughs> so uh, barbershoppers are keen and they love, they are true lovers of music and singing. And this population, because they're hobbyists, I think are, they want it more than I think like musicians. And so they'll come to an event like this where they, you know, uh, the Harmony Prison, right? <laughs> where they sleep on uh, bunk beds. and. Yeah eat uh, cold mush <laughs> and wear uh, the orange jumpsuit um, and and have a great time yeah yeah and and learn and soak up uh, there's so much about the culture of barbershop that we could talk for hours about absolutely sure. yeah um, but it's it's pretty remarkable about how eager and how and how happy I think they mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. I think that they're they're a different lot and it's it's pretty amazing to be a part of and so you know, kind of dedicating my life and career to serving this population was like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, easy decision. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. I like teaching high school. I like teaching college. Uh, you know, I've you know I've directed Mozart and I've directed uh, Beethoven and I've sung uh, Beethoven's Nine and I've been in operas, professional operas where I got paid and all, and all that stuff. Fiber shop is just it's so different and it's so lovely and it's because of the people. Cool. Good look at this guy. Um, and so, my next question is: There, are, we've just been talking about how there are so many high-level um, choruses, that, you know, international, and just so many nice scores, which is so inspirational. But specifically, why can you can you kind of summarise in layman's terms why is Westminster so good? When that, when I heard that they started singing this year, I was listening to them over the webcast. I just stopped in my tracks, and I just thought. That is just distractingly good. It is just yeah. such a pleasure to listen to. Yeah. I was just gobsmacked. I was fortunate to be on the third row wow. when they sang it international yeah. this year, next to the woman that choreographed oh, wow. that, um, that number. Yeah. And it was like kind of an outer body experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me, uh, before I talk about Westminster, let me talk about Central Standard yeah, yeah. and a Music City Chorus. Because when I was at Central Standard, there it was a, a chorus of you know, 45, 50, I think we got up to, to 60 something guys. When we won second place with a 95 mm. uh, mm. something, mm. not a single member of that chorus 
had ever won a district championship yeah, well. in a quartet. <laughs> yeah, well. They were just regular yeah. guys. Yeah. Other than me, of course. <laughs> right? I'm not regular. I mean, I'm exceptional. <laughs> but they were just and regular most. guys. Yeah. And so I, I look around. I haven't met a single person here that I wouldn't have said, oh, yeah, you'd be perfect. You'd fit right mm. into to Central Standard. Mm. Uh, Music City Chorus has quite a few... 60, 70, and 80-year-olds yeah. in the chorus. Yeah. It's, it's a larger chorus, probably yeah. 70, 80. Yeah. And I'm 40, I'm yeah. 39, almost 40, and I'm probably the 12th youngest guy. Wow. There's not very many guys younger than me. They're, mm -hmm. all, they're all kind of my age. And there's only like, like, I would say, like a fourth or a fifth of the, of the chorus is that age, but most of them are old. So. Sorry, they have a lot of life experience. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so it's amazing to see what can happen with a motivated population, given the right leadership mm -hmm. and given the right empowerment, mm -hmm. vocally, uh, performance-wise, expression. And uh, so those two choruses, I think, are really good examples of, hey, this, these are just regular folks that have united behind a common vision to, to do something extraordinary. And I think... I. Westminster probably isn't too different than that. They have a very gifted director, had mm. a very gifted director, yeah. uh, and they're, you know, I've been to a couple of their rehearsals. They're very keen on, on, on singing healthily, singing expressively. That's built into every single one of the rehearsals. There's not a single time where they just go, hey, yeah, let's just hang out and shoot the breeze. They're very committed to their, mm -hmm. to their process and to their product, and. I think one of their main strengths is that unifying aspect. If you can get everybody motivated behind a single, the same vision and share the vision, couple that with good instruction, yeah. look out. Yeah. Mm. But it takes dedication, and it—I mean, it does come at a price. You know, that's that's hundreds of hours of, of singing. Yeah. But I understand that they didn't pick up their ballad until just two or three months before oh, they wow. put it on stage. Yeah. So. Transferable schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I'm pleased you mentioned uh, ordinary people singing, uh, coming together and, and singing well because that's probably the thing I find most um, exciting and, and inspirational and rewarding about barbershop is probably 90 plus percent of us, maybe up towards 99 percent of barbershoppers around the world, are not excellent or even very strong soloists. Um, but and, and so we can come together and produce a sound as, as, as a group that we never would have dreamed we could do. And I think that's really cool. I do too. And I think one of the things that I, that I feel like I'm good at is I can listen to somebody singing and I can go, this is excellent. But did you know yeah, right. inside there is a huge voice that's capable of doing more yeah. if you don't want to even go down that road yeah. you will have joy and happiness in what you're currently doing but i'm happy to help you on your vocal journey mm -hmm. i try very hard as a judge as a voice coach as a director to never superimpose my my personal opinions on mm -hmm. people hey you sing good mm -hmm. yeah hey you don't sing good i i don't mm -hmm. talk about good or bad, or even better and worse, hey, that sounds better to me. Right. I don't even talk about that. I talk about efficiency, 
and I talk about them meeting their goals. Yeah. I, and it's my job as a voice teacher, as a coach, as a director to help them uh, realize their singing goals mm. on their vocal journey. Mm. Well, because there's nothing worse than having somebody say, hey, uh, you're, uh, you're not singing very well. Or, hey, uh, I'm going to fix you. Mm. And by the way, all the things that you've done so far singing-wise, um, they, they now have less value because you didn't know you were doing this wrong the whole time. So I, I try very hard to build people, make it positive experience because barbershop singing particularly is a very rewarding mm. yeah, it is. It's, um, art. Uh, we are such extraordinary uh, social creatures. Um, and just in the little Harmony Academy showcase last night, um, of one of the groups was singing and got a particular bit of positive feedback from the audience and you could just see them lift <laughs> just because of the, yeah, the positive feedback loop. It's, it's very cool. Um, so uh, thank you for your time, Steve. And um, uh, I, I, um, how's that time going, Mr. Mr. Editor? I think people are about to walk in. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's wrap up with, um, with my favourite question. Which, and you've, you've actually probably answered it largely, but what would... Um, uh, pick a pick an age. What would uh, what would twenty nineteen? What would thirty nine year old Steve tell, say nineteen year old Steve, about barbershop and and your future? Uh, you can be musically and vocally fulfilled with barbershop, and um, most of the vocal instruction you're about to receive is well intended, but may not be actually yeah, right. useful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but hang on, it's going to get better. Yeah. Right. We're singing pretty well as, as an international barbershop community, but in the next 20 years, it's going to be amazing. Phenomenal. And, and by 2039, it's going to be <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah, that's exciting. Be a force in the world. Excellent. Sure. Well, we're in a classroom here at Harmony Academy, and we're about to be inundated by students. So, Steve Scott, um, legendary, iconic BHS uh, singing judge and singing coach, um, thank you for your contribution to Barbershop. Um, thank you to, for facilitating other people, um, improving their skills and, and getting more joy out of the hobby, and, uh, and, and uh, long may it continue. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank Thanks for having me. Thank you. At least I didn't make it hat, sir. I guess I didn't make it.